We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast for Thursday, November 14th, brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you on this Thursday, getting you ready for week 11 of the NFL action. So we're recording a little bit earlier today, so this will be out before the Browns-Steelers game. We're not going to get into a full uh, breakdown of that game, but Mario, any lean on this one here? It's a pretty pivotal matchup for for these two teams. Yeah, it's really gross, though, because Mm. both teams obviously have profound issues on offense. And the Steelers' defense, especially, maybe it's not the most reliable in the league, but it's one of the most explosive in terms of just size, speed, disruptiveness, blitzing, stuff like that that can make it go really badly for Baker Mayfield if the Browns' offensive line plays like it generally has this year. So, I don't know. It's like, I really don't want to, I can't believe I'm in this position where I'm having to seriously think about picking basically Mason Rudolph's team over Baker Mayfield's is like, I just can't really, I, my, my brain can't really 
cope with that general thing. So I'm just kind of going haywire trying to think about it at all. <laughs> but uh, I guess I have to leave Browns because lean Browns because I just I just don't. I, I mean, James Conner, if his shoulders okay, he could maybe carry that whole offense for a game like this because the Browns' run defense hasn't been so good. But I don't know if the Browns' run defense will be bad specifically against Mason Rudolph, where you approach the whole game with, you know, not as much fear for the pass. And their corners on the Browns' defense can run. So I guess I'll lean toward a scenario where it's like both defenses generally dominate most of the game, but maybe maybe it comes down to quarterback play at some point, and maybe Baker Mayfield being 10 times better than Mason Rudolph matters. Maybe it won't. I have no idea. This yeah, this is heinous, and and to say that I'm backing the Mason Rudolph side of this is it feels wrong. Um, but I'm also it, I'm yeah. backing the Mike Tomlin side over Freddie Kitchens. It's that's it's a big like part. The, it's yeah. like there's my checkmate basically is what I'm saying there. So and Tomlin, uh, despite his just innate desire to challenge pass interferences, even when it's so clear that they're not gonna get overturned, still a far better coach than Freddie Kitchens. So. that coupled with the defense like you said it's a really explosive defense if they can cause the turnovers that baker mayfield and company have been prone to to this point in the season then i i do kind of have to give the lean to the steelers at least to cover the three points on the road yeah that makes sense and i i really have no position in it so i can't argue against anybody picking the steelers it's like if if i could i would just keep my hands off this one but uh, i'm hoping for as always a big game from uh, nick chubb as much as it's hard to really see it i I think that pittsburgh defense is going to play pretty tough in this yeah i think so too so i'll be fired up minka fitzpatrick in the idp league last week and that worked out extremely well hopefully uh he can make some big plays again it's uh he could have worse matchups you know it's like i i say i still say that baker mayfield's really good but uh i don't know if there's really any quarterback that can play well on that team uh the way that that offense has played this year the way they haven't been coached up on basic really simple fundamental kind of details and uh you know when you can't do that it really doesn't matter how talented you know in theory your personnel might be exactly so that's been a huge overarching uh thing that's been working against the browns throughout the course of the season before we dive into the rest of the week 11 slate we got a message from our friends over at yahoo the nfl season is in full swing at yahoo daily fantasy sports there's a million reasons to enter the free yahoo cup on daily fantasy and they're all dollars that's right yahoo cup is free to enter and a perfect lineup will win you one million dollars every week of the football season it's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players if you're over 18 and a united states citizen there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot yahoo daily fantasy football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes even if you don't score a perfect lineup you can still walk away from a game with a little cash choose yahoo daily fantasy today get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy so mario we're going to start out by keeping things in the AFC North here we got the Ravens playing host to the Texans the Texans coming off the bye this I believe is one of the better matchups that we'll see all week this this matchup will have huge implications for what the number two seed maybe even the number one seed in the AFC is going to look like here so Baltimore uh, the home team here they are four point favorites what are we looking at in this one well, it's interesting because um, I don't think that either team has played a team quite like the other, and that's not just you know with respect to the quarterbacks, who are of course the most interesting subjects here. Uh, this you know might be uh, 
along with you know Russell Wilson and Mahomes of course these are two of the very best quarterbacks in the league and either defense has various things going for it but especially the Ravens their cornerback rotation in recent weeks you know maybe going against somebody like Watson is a test that that maybe uh, exposes them a little bit they haven't been tested that much uh, Ryan Finley I think is pretty terrible for instance so uh, maybe Watson kind of matches or exceeds them but Marcus Peters really changes the fundamental look of that pass defense and uh, Jimmy Smith so far so good with him too and that's made Marlon Humphrey free to be like the slot guy slash I assume they'll they'll use him as an outside shadow occasionally too but it's not an easy matchup for uh, DeAndre Hopkins Kenny Stills anybody in that Houston offense and I maybe the run defense is the weakest part of the Ravens defense I agree with that uh Michael Pierce got hurt this past week they, they had to sign a couple of veteran defensive guys to um oh. to plug up the middle here including Damato Pecco so okay excited to see him yeah uh that's that's not so great because their run defense was not good to begin with right uh, so yeah maybe Houston and, and I if this does come down to this I have to think this favors the Ravens but I think Houston might look to try to get Carlos Hyde going in this game maybe even a little bit more than usual i'm still a hater so i think that that's generally a bad policy and one that suits the ravens just fine um the texans they they have like a pretty decent run defense at least or you know before the wad injury they did who knows if they regress in that respect but uh the pass defense uh aside from justin reed i guess and bradley roby there's a lot of vulnerability there Uh, They've picked up off waivers Vernon Hargreaves, who the Buccaneers cut, and that was after trading a third-round pick for other first-round busts, Gary and Conley. I don't think anything's going to work at outside corner. Roby's doing pretty good, but I think if you just put Marquise Brown outside, and they, as long as they don't shadow him with Roby, that's a clear green light for Marquise Brown, and even if they do shadow him with Roby, I'm still taking Brown, I guess, to win that reed i don't know if reed and mckinney and those guys are, are going to be tough for uh, mark andrews but those guys looked good last week and uh, generally and especially on the outside uh, the houston defense is pretty weak against the pass so uh, as long as lamar can do pretty good as a passer i think we have reason to believe no one in particular can contain him as a runner so the the way it's worked the past few weeks sh- i think should more or less remain the case for the for the ravens and so i'd probably pick them to win okay all right that's a that's a good way of laying it all out um i think you know the texans have a strong run defense and that like you said their past defense has been pretty shaky thus far they're they're fifth worst in the league when it comes to fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks and you know when it's lamar jackson in action it's a totally you know different way of of answering the questions on what you can do um, with your defense because you know you might be stout against the run but in a more conventional sense not really against what lamar jackson brings to the table Um, so i think that baltimore will probably need to get some success going on the ground to really open things up in the pass and attack that outside like you mentioned uh if marquise brown i don't know if he was practicing as of thursday they they always just kind of keep him in like maintenance routines at at this part of the week though so i mean i think he's he's gonna be okay he looked back last week yes he did uh, i don't think there was anything different about his practice routine last week okay so things yeah it didn't feel like there was any sort of setback or anything necessarily but something to keep an eye on of course and 
don't know. I think overall Baltimore's offense will continue to keep rolling here. It, it really just comes down to uh, Ken Watson make enough plays against this Baltimore pass defense. I think that's going to be the story of the game here. Um, but with Baltimore being the home team, I give the edge to Baltimore. Yeah, I agree. I didn't realize it was a four, four and a half kind of spread here. Uh, I guess that sounds about right to me. And I, I think Watson can, you know, take over any game. But the same is true about Lamar Jackson and it's in Baltimore. He's uh, just got the better team generally, I think, and certainly the better coaching. So two years ago, I went to this Ravens-Texans game in Baltimore. It was a Monday night game. And uh, going into that week, I also went to the Ravens-Packers game the week before up in Lambeau. So real world <laughs> traveler here seeing you know exotic Baltimore and Green Bay. Uh, I was expecting at the beginning of that season to be able to see Joe Flacco versus both Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. But with the way that the injuries played out that year, um, I got to see Flacco versus Brett Hundley. And then uh, Flacco, I think, versus TJ Yates. Oh, cool. So that was awful. That, was, that wasn't good? It was bad. So I'm thinking that this time around, when it's Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson, should be much better this time around. Clemson versus Louisville, they used to have some some battles back in the college days, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think uh, Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson are better than TJ Yates and uh, Brett Hundley. Yes. Yeah, yeah yep. so yeah, this, this should be better than those uh, games. Looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. Let's move on over to uh, the Panthers versus the Falcons. Uh, this is an interesting one. The Panthers, five-point favorites at home. I think what the Falcons did last week is a complete mirage. I think if they had one game in them for the whole season to like empty the clip and, and really go for it, it would be on the road against the Saints. I don't think that they're going to carry that over whatsoever into this matchup. I think the Panthers can squash them. Yeah, uh, I guess as much as I'm a Kyle Allen skeptic, I would have to concede that this should be a pretty easy setting for him because this Atlanta pass defense is uh, it's it's reached the point where you can just tell like there's there's a level of dysfunction with the team where nothing is going to get fixed. Like it's just too they they basically lost their grip on, on just keeping it all together. And so uh, with with the, that, I think they're kind of descending into that sort of Freddy Kitchens kind of territory where it's like, you know, maybe things would be better if you had good players, but probably not. And yeah. <laughs> also, guess what? You don't have good players either. So uh, they, their pass rush of all things came alive against the Saints. But I guess I should mention, uh, I just look at a game like that and I have to believe it just doesn't really mean anything. I don't granted it, c- it could mean something i just have no idea what explanation there is for something like that happening it'd be for me it'd be less about giving the falcons a ton of credit and more being like sean payton what were you doing like yeah. what, you had a bye week like what come on man yeah i definitely am inclined to leave it at you know payton uh, one way or another whatever way it is i guess you could say they didn't run the ball enough i don't I don't really get it. It just, to me, still seems more likely that the Falcons are bad and that the Saints screwed up. That wiped out the entire rest of the pentathlon survivor pool. Yeah, I can Everyone's believe that. done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's why we all should have been saving the Ravens, I guess, because mm. uh, that was the only people that probably survived, right? Um, I would say in general, but in, in that specific, you know, fourteen-person survivor yeah. pool, that it, that wiped everyone else out. Yeah. So, uh, in any case, I think Kyle Allen and dj moore will be really chalky in dfs but for very good reason might almost be kind of like the christian kirk kind of play for this week and that uh you know it's 
not predicting specifically 35 points or whatever, but that, uh, you know, he might be 30% owned and uh, you maybe just, at least in cash games, you'll maybe want to get DJ Moore out there. Curtis Samuel, of course, I think he's really good too. It's just the Falcons make it so easy for opposing passers and DJ Moore tends to have the easier targets between himself and Samuel. So if, if the, if there's no resistance and there's an easy play to make, it's like, I think it would generally be more before Samuel. Yeah. Moore's been doing 10 targets per game over the last three weeks. And he's been doing about eight yards per target in that. So he's been really effective and efficient over that, over that course of time there. So going up against the Falcons, I think that that's total green light. And of course, McCaffrey uh, enters the week as RB one once again. Yeah. Uh, on the Atlanta side, that Hooper injury really sucks. Uh, he's out four weeks with an MCL sprain. Don't think there's anything worth chasing at tight end there, but also I guess I have to admit I don't know who they have at tight end otherwise. Uh, were they like the team that picked up Luke Stocker or something stupid like that. Um, anyway, I think uh, with Hooper out, with Sanu traded, something called Jaden Graham. Oh, I'm not so familiar with the stylings. That doesn't sound like a real person. That's um, but yeah, I think with Sanu traded, with Hooper out, it's going to be this kind of thing where. Russell Gage kind of gets some usage funneled toward him because Julio's always going to be double, triple teamed, whatever. Uh, maybe it's not the greatest matchup for him generally. I don't really know. But uh, Gage in the slot, he's the main low uh, depth of target kind of guy in that offense with Hooper and Sanu gone. And I, I think he could push just something like 10 targets uh, with Hooper out. And uh, I don't know if I... I don't know if I'm going to go at it in DFS because I don't think Gage is good. And I am worried about Ryan kind of just laying an egg in this one. But it's something to think about because that that offense was dependent on Hooper and Sanu specifically. Those were the two leading targets, I think, for uh, along with Julio for a long time. So there's a big void there in addition to uh, the Freeman injury. So uh, Brian Hill probably going to take the the workload there. Kenyon Barner might do something. Maybe Kadre Allison is active after being a scratch for pretty much all of this year but the Panthers run defense is pretty bad so as long as Ryan doesn't lay an egg then it should be a spot for Hill to uh, put up some respectable box score give the listeners a bit of a background on on Brian Hill if you will uh well he was a good player really productive player at Wyoming and uh, he left as a junior so even though Hill's been around a long time he's he only recently he only uh five days ago turned 24 so he's he's still in the prospect kind of category uh he was a fifth round pick who they cut and tried to put on their practice squad during his rookie year the Bengals claimed him the Bengals cut him and the Falcons picked him back up uh late last year and he had a couple nice plays last year before uh kind of just hanging around as the third running back for most of this season so um he started behind Ito Smith on the depth chart but I don't think I don't think there's an obvious case that uh, Ido Smith is a better prospect than Hill. Hill is more of like a workhorse type than uh, a pass catching specialist, but looks pretty much like an average, maybe slightly above average kind of athlete who basically might be pretty good at just running between the tackles because he did that a lot at Wyoming and put up huge numbers, including like early on in his career. Yeah, he was he in what's translated thus far, and obviously we're in a small sample as far as this year is concerned, but picking up a lot of yards after contact this year and scored 22 touchdowns his last year at Wyoming before going pro. So pretty impressive uh, numbers and production uh, during his time at Wyoming. So knowing his knowing his prospect profile and, and 
getting the sense that he's going to at least get the first crack at being the the main running back while Freeman is injured is enough for me to go after Brian Hill and waivers. Yeah, he should be owned in pretty much all 12 team leagues, I think, because he could be a top 10 running back this week. Uh, there have been much worse prospects who have made, you know, meaningful fantasy impacts in the NFL. Like I, I like him better than Wayne Gallman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely would put uh, Hill ahead. It's of like Gallman. a little baseline there. Um, anything else to for this game before we move on? Uh, not really. I just Falcons suck. Yeah. So d- don't fall for for last week. Like I think what we've seen from the Falcons through the first. 10 weeks of the season or whatever it was uh, heading into last week is the real Falcons. I don't think that last week is really indicative of what this team is going to be down the stretch. Uh, let's move on over to the Cowboys facing off against the Lions. Lions, or there's no line on this one. I guess Stafford still dinged up uh, with that back injury. So dinged up is probably putting it lightly in terms of what he's dealing with. Right. Obviously, if he's out, that changes everything for this game. Dallas needs to come out and win this one. That you know, <laughs> I thought I thought that they were. Um, Gosh, they really needed to win last week against the Vikings, and they let Kirk Cousins, who's like famous for letting down in big games, come in and beat them. Yeah, Dallas is a poorly coached team, but so are the Lions. So I think Dallas will beat them. The question is just uh, what kind of fantasy production might there be in this game? And uh, I don't know what's going on with Stafford. By the way, I thought every other time I've heard of a quarterback having a back, uh, like a broken bone in their back it was always the transverse process thing which usually you could just kind of put a flak jacket on them and they play through it but he didn't play through this even though he plays through tons of injuries so it's like it must be something different than the transverse process i don't know that for sure i just can't find anybody mentioning transverse process so yeah if it's not then that just sounds like a bad really bad thing like broken back like how does and it seemed to like creep up on them it didn't really seem to get announced as such until late last week or actually before the game uh i think he, he wasn't even supposed to, he wasn't an obvious uh out candidate last week before he just suddenly was on sunday if i remember right uh jeff driscoll did a pretty good job i thought uh kenny galladay dropped a few passes in that game and they weren't necessarily the greatest on target passes but driscoll really looked a lot better than i would have expected based on his college career uh, he was always super toolsy and he, he's you know shown a lot of poise in the NFL. I think he's a better player, better prospect than uh, Ryan Finley, who yep. uh, the the Bengals basically uh, cut Driscoll and then spent a fourth round pick to acquire. So uh, both can run, both can move around a surprising amount. Yeah, Driscoll can really run. He could probably play wide receiver or something if he wasn't playing quarterback. But uh, against Dallas, they're such a weird team in in all aspects. But that that does include the defense where. Uh, they've got some really good pass rushers, some good players up in the front seven, but they just never really seem to add up the way their sum of talent would lead you to think. So uh, I definitely think Dallas can be beat, and I think Driscoll can do a solid uh, effort against them. Uh, but yeah, still, I definitely believe in Dak Prescott. And the question, I guess, for me comes down to will Dallas's offensive line fall apart without Connor Williams and maybe without Lyle Collins so that's the left guard and the right tackle I it would be weird if they if they uh did fall apart against the Lions of all teams but as bad as their pass rush has been they do have some big guys who are capable of being disruptive especially if they're maybe going against uh you know some scrubs but Xavier Suofilo should replace Connor Williams and I assume Cameron Fleming if necessary would replace Lyle Collins and both of those guys have played a lot 
even though they're backups. So as long as Dak Prescott doesn't have to deal with unreasonable pressure, I think he's just a really good player. And also, I guess if Amari Cooper can be taken for granted, which I don't know, he hasn't been practicing, I don't think. So what was your favorite Dak Prescott meme uh, music being played over the hip loosening dance? <laughs> I didn't click on any of those. But yeah, when I, I, when I saw that on the, the broadcast, I was just like, what the hell is he doing <laughs> it's like this is gonna be a meme isn't yeah, it yep and um, you were so, correct so yeah that didn't take long um but uh yeah that was that was pretty absurd looking it just it was, just felt like i was having a concussion or something Colin, <laughs> collinsworth like over like voicing it over like look at him go and pop his hips oh my <laughs> I mean, it it looks pretty ridiculous, of course, but maybe there's actually something to it because he is making a lot of those kinds of throws this year that you really only see from Mahomes. Otherwise, it's like there's some sort of a uh, some sort of like torque revolution going on with with quarterbacks right now. That's kind of weird, but yeah, Dak is playing at a really high level. the The line's got two good corners in Darius Slay, Justin Coleman, but the pass rush has been so bad. Even those guys are getting beat. Rashawn Melvin, super easy to torch at the other corner spot so what do you make of randall cobb then it's interesting uh he seems he makes some nice plays this year but uh he looks like he still has something in the tank and i did not think that the last two years yeah he has something in the tank i think it's safe to say that dak prescott is just better than aaron Rodgers as a passer and randall cobb uh he might have been better in the past i don't really know but he's more or less a guy who kind of just rides the wave he doesn't really raise the level of the offense or lower it so when Dak's just playing great like he has been, Cobb could contribute. Uh, not as likely as, of course, Cooper and, and Gallup, but got to keep an eye on the Cooper thing. The knee is apparently an issue. Uh, I would expect he'll play, but just got to follow up on it, I guess. And Gallup, I think, would generally be left on Rashawn Melvin, and I think he could just oh, get yeah, open that, all day. That's Gallup nine times out of ten there, and um, going up against him. And then uh, regarding Cooper, yeah, if he is good to go in this one, he looks like the kind of guy that it doesn't so matter good. who he's going. I mean, his that one drive where he made several of those tight tightrope sideline catches, those are just like you know only a handful of people on earth can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, particularly that one touchdown. Uh, it was just like that's this, silly this ball is like six yards out of bounds how did you do this um so yeah he's he's really playing at a really high level it's it's kind of funny i know some people have taken the l on it but not so many people reporting to take their l's for that trade and uh, don't get me wrong i thought it was overpayment but when people were like cooper sucks this is such a stupid trade i was like wait a second when when did cooper start being bad did i miss something right um, so th- those people need to, people, need to most people please report him. for their l most people are just like this guy sucks jerry jones is an idiot it's like jerry jones is definitely an idiot but <laughs> amari cooper maybe overpayment aside very good i don't understand how how that narrative ever got uh, any traction but yeah i think if cooper's able to play as good as darius slay is darius slay I generally would would project as the loser to Cooper, and uh, especially if he has no pass rush, giving him a fair shot in the first place. Yeah, that w- that would be really killer if Dak has all day to throw there, and and Cooper is good to go. That's going to be a long day for that Detroit secondary. Uh, let's move on over to Indianapolis going up against Jacksonville. Indianapolis coming off a loss Ugh. to the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> uh, you hate to see it. 
Uh, we, we've been backing Indianapolis as a team that's, you know, maybe short on talent, but long on, on good coaching for, for this season. So but, short on talent by now, though. Oh, yep, man. It's just completely, you know, trash it doesn't team. even look like a 53-man NFL roster at this point. Trash uh, receiver rotation, I should most specifically say. The that, team has yeah. a bunch of good players at various spots, but, uh, man, uh, Zach Pascal, good as he might be, as much as he might be a really good player for what the Colts do He's more like a wide receiver four than a wide receiver one that he's been miscast as with uh, T.Y. Hilton and Devin Funches out. Devin Funches is not coming back this week, even though he's apparently back in practice. So it's going to be Pascal again, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's A.J. Bouye or Trey Herndon. I don't think it really matters. I don't think he gets open against those guys unless they basically screw up on the play and uh, chester rogers not so good he's the slot guy i don't see him doing anything here uh who was it that oh marcus johnson played last week in the Deion kane role basically did the same thing as Deion kane so i i just think it looks brutal with uh, ty hilton paris campbell devin funches all out uh brissette i think it's safe to i owe brissette an apology basically because I i thought hoyer could more or less match him that was wrong okay yes yeah, so uh, apology is floated out there so jacoby if you're listening please yeah apologies to jacoby but especially uh, a big finger wag at brian hoyer uh grizzled vets are supposed to be better than that against the dolphins buddy That's yeah just... come on man and then you, you're gonna let ryan fitzpatrick show you up like mm. that yeah so not great uh on the jacksonville side Nick Foles coming back is pretty interesting. Uh, I do think he's probably obviously he's not as good as a runner, and and he's, he's a lot less uh, creative as an improviser than Gardner Minshew. But I do think that he's generally the better quarterback overall. Which that's that's really not saying that that's not that's not to specifically put Foles at a high level or like slight Minshew. Minshew's a rookie, so it's it's just hard for pretty much any rookie to be as good as a you know super bowl winning quarterback even even if he's not among the best super bowl super bowl winning quarterbacks uh he's certainly no dilfer or anything like that so uh, i think Foles is pretty good i think his return maybe uh i don't know if it it really affects the receivers so much dd westbrook don't know what the deal is with his injury he obviously missed the last game out and was replaced by keelan cole who did pretty well he so did. yeah uh, cole looked D- good yeah with dd westbrook dropping so many passes that actually might be something to keep an eye on uh because i don't know cole's maybe better than him uh westbrook fast toolsy but yeah I westbrook's guess. fast but it's like if you keep dropping passes what, what is it worth yep so uh it looks like westbrook will be back it'll be interesting to see if cole can maintain any playing time uh, maybe they reduce like Conley's snaps a little bit and move Westbrook outside more often and have him do the speed decoy. I don't really know, but uh, Cole really might be a threat to steal some snaps from Westbrook if things keep trending this way. I guess. Yeah, I think that he's on like the the deep PPR radar at the very least now because he he did look good um, in Westbrook's absence last week. And then uh, as far as Foles goes, and this this more has to do with me drafting uh, Baker Mayfield and jo- and Sam Darnold as my two quarterbacks in the NFFC, but. I am a happy Nick Foles owner now. Yes. As of last week, um, during the bye week, scooped in, and uh, I will be starting him this week. Yeah, I like uh, the setup for him. It's nice that it's in a dome. It's nice that he's going against a team with, uh, I don't know what the latest is on uh, Pierre Desir, but the Colts have been going with basically two rookie corners without Desir in the lineup. It was uh, Rock Yassin, who isn't doing great this year, 
and then Marvell Tell, who they moved from safety to corner, and uh, he had a good first start. I don't know how he did last week off the top of my head. It looks like, um, I don't know, this is weak. Colts haven't updated their injury report page, so I don't know what's going on with Desir, but if he's out again, as good as Marvell Tell might be, it's like putting him against DJ Chark, putting Rockus in against DJ Chark. That's just a rough spot for those guys to be in, and I definitely think Chark should get back. Uh, not necessarily specifically, uh, not specifically predicting a big game, uh, but I'll be pretty disappointed if he doesn't, uh, you know, reestablish himself as like a viable uh, top fifteen sort of fantasy play. Yeah, because Yassine, um, for like being a kind of like that classic Temple tough type of player and physical. Um, that that's all well and good and like that will that helps him against a guy that's as big as dj chark but it doesn't help that also dj chark has legitimate speed at that size too so i think yeah. that, that he get, he wins that matchup more often than not yeah they're probably going to give a lot of help to yasin and uh marvel tell if necessary but chark's just one of those guys he's so fast can jump so high and he's shown ability after the catch on underneath targets this year too I just think he's a wide receiver one, and I think Foles stepping in bodes well enough generally that uh, we should just kind of expect good things from Chark again. And if I remember correctly, I think the Jaguars made that decision on Foles so he, like last week, so he's been working with the starters, so he should be ready to hit the ground running there. Before we, got, before we go on to our next batch of games, I got a message here from our friends over at Armchair Quarterback. Armchair Quarterback is a real-time game where you predict the next play during a live football broadcast. You know what the next play is going to be. Predict it and earn points, climb the leaderboard, and increase your chances to win tickets and other prizes. It's the perfect way to make watching games more exciting. We have a special league for all Rotowire subscribers, and we'll be posting the leaderboard online and be mentioning them here. This week, we're playing to uh, the Chiefs-Chargers uh, game on Monday night. You can also form your own league with your fantasy friends. The full schedule and game information is available at armchairquarterback.com. Armchair Quarterback, make every game bigger. We also get a message from our friends over at World Fantasy Sports. Already knocked out of your survivor pool? Do you end up losing early in the season? feeling like your success is based mostly on luck which there is some alternative where you can use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses well now there is world fantasy pools brings you the first of its kind game type stat based survivor pools world fantasy pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist instead of choosing a team to win a game you will use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line achieve that stat line and you advance fail to and you will be eliminated be the last to survive or make it through all rounds to win or split the prize pool just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win it's that simple sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com all right let's keep things rolling here we got the bills facing off against the dolphins bills coming off a disappointing kind of head scratching loss there in cleveland this past week and the dolphins lively two wins in a row they have a winning streak yeah uh Whoa. i'll just blame the rest of the league for being terrible rather than giving the dolphins too much credit on okay. that one uh, I'm good with that they're trying to lose and they it, it's i think maybe that's just more the, the the insight the insightful details like they're trying to lose but they're so prone to failure they just can't stop winning now <laughs> uh because you can tell they're trying to lose i i, I 
I think that's quite seriously the most charitable read on any team that leaves Kalen Balaj as their like workhorse running back in an NFL offense. You're trying to lose, or I have to assume something much worse about you, like something like maybe uh, you know you're you're just not all together like there's something <laughs> you can't you can't uh possibly know what you're doing and and seriously earnestly conclude this Balage guy looks pretty good i think we should give him some more chances and uh i think even they will eventually get just so uh like horrified by how bad Balage is that they'll start giving some snaps to patrick laird and maybe miles gaskin we're Bef- looking at 2.1 yards per carry over a 55 attempt sample it's the worst running back I've ever seen. I'm not even kidding. I just I've never seen anything like it. He can't play. Uh, it's too bad. But Arizona State was right uh, four years ago or whenever that was, where they they almost moved him to defensive end. They should have done it. He might have actually been like an Anthony Barr kind of player uh, if they had moved him to defense. But uh, oh well. Uh, Miles Gaskin I actually think is pretty good. Laird is kind of interesting because he can definitely catch the ball well. I just don't know if he can do anything else. Uh, but Gaskin you know he's not toolsy and he's small but that kind of production in college just is difficult to do unless you have some level of skill yeah Mm -hmm. and it was as a true freshman putting up huge numbers so maybe he has a limited ceiling but i think he has a lot of skill set to work with even if he doesn't have much in the way of tools whereas of course balaj has a lot in the way of tools but the worst skill set that i think i've ever seen so not that it really matters so much for this game i expect buffalo to pretty much rock them and uh I say that as as a you know critic skeptic of Josh Allen, but he's been really good in fantasy uh, because of the rushing production. I don't think he's been very good as a passer, and I think that the Bills lost last week because they threw the ball too much. And uh, Devin Singletary, he's definitely like the lead back there. I think Frank Gore is still playing, um, but it's not Frank Gore that was the issue for Singletary last week. It's that the Bills don't give him enough touches per snap, and two weeks ago when he had his big game he had like 20 carries on 40 snaps generally he's been getting 10 carries per 40 snaps something like that they reverted back to that last week allen threw like 41 passes or something they should really try to get it to 30 passes for allen in a game try to get singletary over 15 carries in a game and since they failed doing what they did last week and since it worked two weeks ago i think they go back to singletary more this week and probably throw the ball a little less. They can and afford th- to workshop some things in this matchup, you would think. Yeah, and uh, I just I think uh, you know they want to win. They 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 want to make the playoffs, and they I think have compelling reason to think that they might blow it if they keep throwing the ball as much as they did. And I, I think Singletary is the clear you know way out for them. I think they'll go to him this week, and I think he'll have a pretty good game. Okay, and then on the other side of the or before we move on to the Dolphins receivers. Um, anything to like from this Buffalo passing game or do you think that it's just going to be such a run heavy game plan that that guys like John Brown maybe move off the starting radar well I think Brown is just kind of going to be like a you know is what he wide receiver three flex kind of play where you can imagine a big game but you can't really you shouldn't really get your hopes up specifically because it's just not really the way the offense works Uh, but I think Brown Cole Beasley they're, they're gonna have good matchups in this game they should get open and uh, it could also be one of those things where Josh Allen throws the ball less but does more with it like maybe he only throws it 28 times but maybe he throws three touchdowns because they're you know rolling and and just kind of get the get the Dolphins defense against the ropes so yeah I think I think the touchdown odds are as good as ever 
It's just I wouldn't expect Allen to throw 40 passes in this one. No, that that would be overkill or something would have gone very sideways if, if Allen has to throw that much. So, yeah, I'm looking for the Bills to take care of business in that one. Uh, let's move on over to the Vikings going up against the Broncos. Vikings at home, 10.5-point favorite. This is a lot, a lot of points to give Kirk Cousins, but the Broncos – pretty bad so yeah that's a tough one yeah and i know the vikings defense especially at corner they've had all kinds of issues but uh these guys in denver Cortland sutton aside are just not that threatening in my opinion and i think it's safe to say that the i'll try to pull up the running back stats here but i think it's safe to say that even through their struggles uh the vikings run defense has been pretty good uh, so yeah, they bottled up Zeke pretty nicely. I thought for the most part last week. Yeah, definitely. And Eric Kendricks, it, just Eric Kendricks alone, pretty much shuts he's, down any he's pass a catching. Crazy good year. Yeah, you can't really throw to your running back against the Vikings. It just doesn't work. Um, but uh, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, they're good running backs. Lindsay especially can go long on some play if if somebody just slips or botches their gap, whatever it is. But I'm inclined to kind of just think that the Vikings from being in minnesota from going against a team that kind of suits their their tendencies anyway like I, as great as Cortland sutton is and he looks awesome uh going against just Cortland sutton and, and not having to take anything else too seriously you can probably contain him like you can probably keep him to whatever 60 yards and a touchdown on uh, 10 targets or something like that and then still hold the Broncos to 10 points, 13 points. And I think that'll be the case in this game. There's nobody in that offense aside from uh, Sutton who can pose a consistent pass-catching threat. I know Fant had the big game against Cleveland, but I'm giving the Browns all the credit for that one. Oh, yeah. I don't think that'll happen here. And I think Brandon Allen uh, will crater. And Minnesota, definitely going to be my main DFS defense this week. I, I think they could light up brandon allen pretty badly yeah that it's just gonna be a brutal brutal spot for him um i thought one of the more interesting developments from last week's game as far as minnesota is concerned with uh thielen being out for that one and i, I think thielen is probably not gonna probably go. gonna be out yeah. um and that they should um just hold him out through the bye week and yeah. just get him healthy for the stretch run but kyle rudolph and irv smith both looked pretty good against the cowboys maybe that says a little bit more about uh what the cowboys do against opposing tight ends but at the same time when your non digs receivers are bc johnson and uh what's left of laquan treadwell uh i think you have to kind of change change uh your reads over to the tight ends a little bit more and rudolph looked awesome i mean that that one-handed catch or whatever it was in the back of the end zone was really good um irv smith obviously an interesting rookie tight end there so Mm -hmm. i think both of those guys are also on the radar for this week for if not for only for dfs i think rudolph probably uh you can start in 12 teamers uh irv smith probably more like the two tight end type of leagues I actually think, at least in PPR, I would put Irv Smith ahead of Kyle Rudolph just because he kind of is the wide receiver, too, with Adam Thielen out, him and BC Johnson, I guess, more or less splitting that. But uh, I really do like Irv Smith a lot. I'm definitely putting him in some tournament lineups in in, uh, DFS this week. And it's not just just the general theme of, well, the Vikings should win by a lot and, uh, you know, it should be a comfortable sort of game where pretty much everybody is doing well and it's it's uh you know more who's the guy who gets the ball around the end zone that determines who has the good game uh, rather than you know somebody dominating it's like cousins is gonna have easy throws to make i think some of them might be to irv smith 
especially if uh, Chris Harris shadows Stefan Diggs, because uh, as much as Diggs can beat him and Diggs is, you know, great player to own season long, makes plenty of sense in DFS, of course. But uh, Chris Harris is just a really good corner, and it, it might not even be a thing where Diggs fails to get open as much as just other people get open easier than him uh, because literally any other spot in the defense is more vulnerable than Chris Harris is. So I, if I think that the Vikings are going to win by a lot, and especially if I'm in a lineup where I'm maybe fading Dalvin Cook, I want to get somebody like Irv Smith in that lineup alexander madison i think makes plenty of sense as like a tournament i was kinda. just about to bring him up yeah yeah because uh, the, the really the vikings should try to limit cook's workload in this game there's no reason to attempt disaster with uh, his history of hamstring issues you don't he could he could literally just be held out of this game and the spread should probably still stay around double digits like madison can do enough for the vikings to win by 10 points so uh i think him uh, maybe getting 10 to 12 carries cook maybe topping out at something like 18 carries would make a lot of sense i would actually try to get cook less work than that if i were them but uh he's he's just a cheat code so it's understanding that it's hard to go away from him for very long it's pretty good yeah so uh yeah vikings should win by a lot is basically what i think and i really like irv smith as a tournament played uh not just in terms of like fading dalvin cook in a tournament lineup but uh, i think he could be their leading uh producer as a pass catcher too okay that, that's definitely an interesting uh, potential plot line uh from that game uh probably a game that i'm not gonna be paying a ton of attention mm, to yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. unless unless somehow the broncos who, who have been frisky at times this year somehow are keeping this one competitive i'll probably be keeping my attention elsewhere speaking of games i'll be keeping uh, a closer eye on we got a 50 over under here in this saints bucks game this one should be the one of the more fantasy intriguing games of the of the afternoon window on Sunday. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe there's something to say for the weather in a game like Baltimore's, where I guess it might be a bit windy. But uh, yeah, I, uh, otherwise I don't know why this game would be projected higher, or at least I or I feel like the floor sorry, is fifty, and then uh, Baltimore's fifty one and a half. I, I, I misspoke there. Oh no, I didn't. Uh, sorry i i'm i totally missed it actually i was just uh being add and going back to well this is also a high scoring game uh but yeah i would have i would have put uh houston baltimore higher if and i assume that the reason it's not higher is uh, basically because tampa should be an easier setting like i guess it might be a little windy potentially in baltimore but man i feel like the floor is lower with this game than it is in the baltimore houston one because Jameis is just the most ridiculous player he can he's so i love it stupid (laughs) and uh i don't think peyton will blow it two weeks in a row so i'm I'm not actually worried about the saints side but i am a little disturbed you know it's like why how can you make something so simple so difficult last week like you should have just beat the falcons they suck they didn't even do anything in the game matt ryan had a bad game nobody ran for anything how'd you even lose like how did you pull it off and uh Again, I think he will. Sean Payton will have a better uh, game plan here. Certainly, Michael Thomas poised for a huge effort in this game. Uh, but is it's he, tough. Is he, are you going to lock him in everywhere? Because I mean, we, we've talked about so. like the, the funnel effect and how the Bucks really good against the run, and by virtue of that, really terrible against the pass. Yeah. So on the one hand, it feels like Kamara has to happen soon. Better guy. But this matchup is really difficult to do so as a runner. So I think he'll he'll 
and he could definitely do this, but I think he'll need to have a big game as a pass catcher if he's going to have one of his you know memorable outputs. So as much as he's capable of it, I don't like the setting enough as as like a reason to to suspect it happening in this particular case. And uh, yeah, Michael Thomas. I'd have to put the over under on his receiving yardage at like 125 or something. And he could, he could go for 200 yards in this oh game. Oh my goodness. Um, he could, he could maybe break the uh, TO reception record against the bears or whatever it was uh, when he had like 22 catches. Um, did Brandon Marshall catch him? Oh wait. Yeah. My bad. I'm uh, so old. I, I forget when I still think Corey Dillon set the rushing record. <laughs> I don't remember Jamal Lewis breaking it. I was at that game. Yeah. That's that was the best game, uh, best performance of all time for by any player. Uh, and he also called it. Yeah. By calling it <laughs> right. I very specifically remember like being awake at nine or 10 AM watching uh, the ESPN countdown show and, you know, Tom Jackson and Chris Berman or whatever. And they're like, Oh, Jamal Lewis today, uh, you know, very, deadpan he he didn't seem to be joking at all <laughs> he didn't uh he, he just very, just very matter of factly said like oh yeah i'm going to break the uh rushing record today against the against them and uh you know i wasn't watching that game but i remember the the game breaks like the highlights coming in like every 10 minutes from that game like ah oh, jamal lewis is still going uh he said he was going to break it and it looks like he's going folks to. <laughs> he is mashing that right like first carry 82 yard touchdown uh he had uh, the way it lined up that year he had 500 rushing yards against the browns oh yeah so oh man that was, <laughs> was a little aside that's, there that's a bit of a tangents but it's, it's such a good one we're allowed yeah yeah um so so anyway uh back to the the stupid uh saints and buccaneers i think uh this is a really good matchup for chris godwin because pj williams who did seem to play last week i haven't been able to look at the snap counts yet but he came back from injury i think and displaced chauncey gardner johnson or however it goes who had been the slot corner in his place for two weeks and he did way better than pj williams uh, so I think if PJ Williams is in there, that's a green light for Godwin. But uh, I guess it's worth keeping an eye on whether they give Chauncey Gardner Johnson snaps at uh, PJ Williams's expense. Okay, Gardner Johnson was a pretty intriguing prospect, I think, out of Florida. PJ Williams played 68 snaps last week. Okay, well if he keeps playing, that's great news for Godwin. Uh, but yeah, last people week, are going to talk about Mike Evans too because what happened in New Orleans earlier this season, right? Uh, what do you? sorry what do you mean i think his goose egg was against oh yeah right Lattimore is just one of those things i feel like he's uh, limited in practice it might be worth keeping an eye on his status uh closer to sunday but i just i think that's one of those things where as much as you would much rather see a different corner than than Lattimore coming up for the matchup it's also one of those deals where Evans will beat him sometimes. It's just Lattimore is going to win some of the games and Evans is going to win some of them. If anything, Evans losing the last round would just make me suspect he's that much closer to his next win, you know? So th- I I don't I don't envision myself going at Evans a whole lot in DFS this week. Maybe uh maybe I'll rethink that, but I just think it'll be a lot easier for uh Chris Godwin and I, th- I think Chris Godwin bounces back, but then again, I thought the same thing last week. And uh, yeah. Jameis managed to not do a whole lot against a really bad Cardinals pass defense. OJ Howard got more involved, though. Yeah, he got pretty, more involved. He, was, he looked great. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's awesome. Yep. It's there's nothing. It's it's just a joke that Bruce Arians can't think of a way to use him. But with that said, I'm not 
getting my hopes up that high for him. I'd love to be proven wrong because I invested quite a bit in OJ Howard this year, but I don't. I, I think he produced last week in spite of uh, the you know the circumstances around him, and I think generally there is an enduring conspiracy against him. Yeah, so I, I don't expect things to carry over necessarily, but it would be nice to start to see things uh, carry over when it comes to Howard. Uh, let's get on to maybe the greatest game of the week. That's the Redskins going up against the Jets. Yeah, so this is such a stupid <laughs> combination of teams, uh, really loathsome organizations. Uh, Washington, just because of Dan Snyder, the Jets, not not quite as like contemptible in a moral sense as They're Dan more Snyder. Like clown, laughy type of franchise. It's just ridiculous, and uh, honestly, it's not funny. It's so it's just tedious at this point. It's like it's not funny to be this bad this long all the time. It's it's it was funny for a while, but now it's just kind of irritating, especially because they're screwing with Darnold uh in his his developments because it's weird this is i feel like this is three games in a row now where darnold uh basically came out really fast and scored i think maybe on each of the first three drives in those games and i have to assume in the the final three quarters so so let's say the final nine quarters of those three games i would be surprised if he threw for more than a combined 300 yards between them uh he just he completely falls asleep after the first one or two drives and that's with the easy matchups so that it's an easy matchup again here against washington in terms of the some of the secondary pieces uh, that it's better than nothing but i can't take much for granted especially when there's the front seven kind of pass rushing personnel they have a, on that washington defense which it's, it's a bad defense but they've got some good players in, in the front seven and kerrigan especially but i uh, don't, don't know what the latest was with jonathan allen and some of those guys but ianitis is good um it can go wrong you know even though it should be easy uh i'd like to see robbie anderson get more involved but i think if he doesn't i feel like if he if he keeps running on the left side he might see more of dunbar than norman who i think plays on the left side of the defense if i remember right in which case demarius thomas might be running against him more often uh jameson crowder is another totally decent matchup again he's he's been good at least yes despite Darnold's struggles so i think you can be hopeful for him there's the revenge game uh narrative to keep in mind ah. so uh yeah i don't know i i picked the jets i guess but i don't want to pick either team because they're both just insanely stupid and uh on the washington side the most interesting thing i guess uh terry mclaurin is a really good matchup i think even with Dwayne haskins at quarterback mclaurin might be able to get going in this game do you think uh haskins can show anything against this jets defense i mean i think so they, they don't have anything they, they need to or yeah he needs to. yeah i think i'm not going to be picking him in any tournaments or anything but i i am reasonably optimistic of him finishing this game with something like i don't know like 16 of 28 for 250 yards and uh, a touchdown or two touchdowns and no turnovers but if so It'll have to be sprung by a couple of big plays to McLaurin, but it should be there. The outside coverage has been really bad all year with the Jets, and McLaurin, despite some pretty bad conditions, has made a lot of impressive plays so far. So I'm, I'm optimistic for him, definitely well on the tournament radar at least. But otherwise, Darius Geis stepping into the picture is kind of interesting. Uh, Adrian Peterson, of course, is playing pretty well. He's not going to disappear. But if Geis can just kind of get his foot in the door, he can kind of just keep forcing his way in more and more as time passes because 
if healthy, and that's, I realize, a, a big uh, qualifier because he just hasn't been healthy, but if he is healthy, he's closer to a Nick Chubb t- uh, kind of talent than he is like a carry-on Johnson kind of talent uh, as far as keeping it within the the lens of that draft that they were all in. So yeah, if, if Geis is healthy, he's just different than most running backs, and I, I don't know if people have really... I don't know if people tend to grasp that or if they kind of just look at him as, you know, the same kind of prospect as whatever Montgomery or Miles Sanders is like, no, he's way better than those guys if he's healthy. Yeah, exactly. It just it is a matter of of health there because he he coming out of college was, you know, I would say the number three running back. Better than Fournette at LSU, I think. Yeah, he ran better than him. Uh, He has, I think, LSU's single game uh, rushing record. Just really, really impressive uh, player. So hopefully if health permitting uh he can start to take off starting this week uh let's jump over i feel like these teams just played but they're playing again um we got the niners going up against the cardinals we were we were right on the cardinals last week putting up some numbers for fantasy purposes kyler murray looked really good christian kirk um obviously crushed it uh last week and even andy isabella got in on the action a little bit as well on the 49ers side obviously the the monday night game this past week they're on a short week but they are at home uh garoppolo showed some warts in that one but he also looked really good against the cardinals last time out there so i tend to believe that garoppolo bounces back this week against the cardinals more so than the cardinals adjusting and and making garoppolo look pedestrian i think that might be pending the status of emmanuel sanders though because it looks like kittle might be out again too Uh and if they're down kittle and emmanuel sanders then like even as as a general garoppolo pessimist at this point i would have to admit like can't it'd be like unfair to expect him to have a big game like the last time if he doesn't have sanders who you know was specifically beating patrick peterson in that game uh if not if if sanders isn't out there that makes things kind of dicey i don't know what to make of the wide receiver rotation with the sand for with the 49ers it doesn't make much sense to me the way shanahan has handled it but it's like debo's a constant at the very debo's definitely the lead receiver if emmanuel sanders is out the question is who's the second and the third and where are all of them going to line up because if debo plays outside then he'll get the shadow coverage i think of patrick peterson and as much as debo's looked good lately it's a lot different to produce against Patrick Peterson that it is against uh, Trey Flowers and uh, Nico Thorpe or whoever the Seahawks have very bad corners and uh it's it, there's a couple things that could happen though Debo could stay outside and get shadowed by Peterson or in the event that Sanders is out uh Shanahan could specifically just make Samuel line up in the slot more than he has in other games this year and Shanahan shows I think some uh matchup sensibility like some adaptability with this play calling like i noticed um something in emmanuel sanders's splits from the last game oh it was a they got him emmanuel sanders lined up more on the left before he got hurt and i think that was specifically because they were targeting emmanuel sanders on uh trey flowers and then thorpe but then of course he got hurt with a very weird looking injury like he was just running and grabbed his chest and like left the field immediately and they're calling it a rib injury but it's like that sounds almost like an oblique kind of thing or something i don't know how the hell the sanders injury yeah yeah it, it looked very yeah he did just kind of grab at his rib cage and you know so maybe an intercostal strain perchance yeah he must have pulled something or ripped up some cartilage i don't know what it was i uh, imagine that feels very good well yeah that was what was weird too is like he he seemed to be like in a lot of pain too it didn't it didn't seem like he was just like oh, i can't quite uh, turn the way i need to he was just like he just like grabbed his chest and was like i have to leave <laughs> yeah i mean uh, fo- i mean football 
players have have said that you know when they have like the bruised or the busted ribs that it's one of the more like just debilitating as far as just like simple human function type of things so um if sanders is dealing with anything like that you know it could be something that keeps him out yeah so uh but if he is out and if shanahan does use debo more in the slot that's still a smash spot for debo then because uh running in the slot uh what's his name byron murphy did pretty good against chris godwin last week but you know two weeks in a row in, in a new position and and either either way as far as debo's interests go it's easier to get open against byron murphy than it is patrick peterson so you can hope for that but if he does stay outside, then maybe Kendrick Bourne is the slot guy. And at 3,000 on DraftKings, he's very interesting to me, even though I don't think he's very good. Uh, he had two really brutal drops last week. He had drops issues last year. But Kyle Shanahan loves him, and Kyle Shanahan hates Dante Pettis. They, these are facts. So, uh, yeah, Bourne at least seems to have a role that I, I was surprised to, at the very least, see him at the minimum price there. Um, as far as Arizona goes, Murray looked pretty good last time out against against them. Uh, what kind of adjustments do you think the Niners make this time around? I don't really know because Christian Kirk has been playing the right outside position more lately. Uh, that's where he lit up the Buccaneers. That's where Sherman plays, though, and I think he played the same spot two weeks or three, however long it's been, ago, and Sherman shut him down in that game. Even with Kyler Murray getting a little momentum in the second half, it's like Kirk didn't do anything in that game. Uh, the slot coverage is not easy against the 49ers because Kwan Williams is having a good season, so it's hard to see why it would be easy for Fitz. Isabella might need to step up again because those guys, as much as, by the way, I, I do give Kirk a decent chance of beating Sherman. I just don't know if it's, uh, I don't like it en- enough when taking into account the pass rush with that specifically happening because he needs to get further downfield than he did playing in the slot. And Sherman can just kind of hold you for the first eight yards of your route or 15, um, depending on uh, how, how, how much the refs just like the way he holds uh, receivers. They love it. But Kirk is a really good r- route runner. He's a really quick twitch kind of guy. And being lanky and grabby, Richard Sherman could kind of just get turned around at some point and Kirk could do something that way. But it's not going to be easy because Sherman is playing well this year and the pass rush just doesn't give you very long to complete your route. So it it's a really tough spot for Murray. I think I generally expect it to go a little worse than last time, to be honest. Yeah, because last time was, was at home. This one is going to be on the road against a Niners team that was just dealt its first loss of the season. They're going to want to make that. He's right. awesome, though. Oh, yeah. uh, otherwise, um, oh, what was it? Yeah, uh, Matt Breida looks like he's out. Raheem Mostert they're listing him as questionable right or he's showing his limited in practice or whatever but i think he has to play and if not then i guess jeff wilson could be interesting um, but yeah tevin coleman looks like he might have to do something like 16 18 carries in this game but the cardinals run defense isn't bad it's a lot easier to throw on them jeff wilson one time uh, vomited on the field of a north texas game and it was one of the funnier things i've ever seen watching football D- did he uh, do it like multiple times i, f- I remember there was something sp- unusual about this <laughs> it was because he was like standing in the backfield right yeah he's and he just right through the face to... mask like right mm-hmm. in the middle of the yeah, yeah he was in position and everything and then, he, and then all of a sudden it just flies out it's too bad it's awesome. that, that would have been such a great opportunity to have 
you know, if it snapped it and then vomited like a, the general direction of the ball and everyone at once is just like, and then the defense yes. picks it up, runs for a touchdown, even though it's covered in puke. That'd be funny, right? <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah. Um, so maybe he can, maybe he can get the Benny Hill theme song going in this game and, and puke on somebody, make, make it, make it a good one i hope so that, yeah. it's just so funny when that happens but um yeah otherwise uh the backfield is just hell in arizona now with uh kenya drake and david johnson they, sh- they really should get david johnson just playing receiver i benched david johnson last yeah. week in nffc and i don't care yeah it's i don't know what you can don't know what you Sunk. can do with it it's um, i'm done with it i'm he's out he's out in my mind um all right, let's move on over to the Raiders going up against the Bengals. Ten and a half points. Uh, the Raiders are favored by. Wow. That's, a, that's too many points to give the Raiders. Maybe not. I am a Ryan Finley hater. I do think the, the Raiders defense, even the Raiders defense, could do pretty well there. But uh, LaMarcus Joyner has had a really bad year for the Raiders so far. And I think he was out last week. I don't know if he's back this week. I don't know if it would even be good for the Raiders if he were I'm trying to load that injury report uh, at the moment. Looks like Joyner did not practice yesterday. Don't know what that means for Sunday at this point. But uh, it should be one of the better matchups for Tyler Boyd in like a month, something like that. I'll I'll keep the faith on Tyler Boyd despite all evidence to the contrary. uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, if you can catch six passes against Marlon Humphrey last week, then going against Joyner or his backup, whoever that is, it it could go a lot worse um with that said uh also it's worth keeping in mind it's probably easier to throw on the raiders excuse me than it is to run on them so that's the Bengals can't run it anyway yeah uh mixon got going a little bit last week but he, as we've seen in other games he can truly leave you with a goose egg so uh it should be a little easier to run or sorry th- to pass than to run so that's good for tyler boyd Auden tate i guess alex erickson technically even though uh i'm kind of i was kind of hoping to just kind of refuse to acknowledge that he exists i just don't understand what's going on over there he should not be out producing tyler boyd uh it happened twice in the past month i think it's gonna stop I'm, I'm praying for my my own sanity that it stops in this game um but otherwise i think it's time for darren waller to bounce back i, I like waller quite a bit this week and uh Tyrell I think generally lines up in the if I remember right anyway he generally lines up where William Jackson is and they could just move him to the other side the Bengals don't shadow anybody but if they do leave him over on Jackson too much that would maybe push a funnel toward Waller a little bit maybe Hunter Renfro a little bit uh but yeah Josh Jacobs chalk week and it's pretty difficult to argue against it yeah I love Jacobs this week I think everybody does but it you know unlike Dave Montgomery just uh completely screwing me over last week i feel confident that uh that jacobs will get this one going yeah as much as as much as i was kind of a hater of both as prospects i definitely have jacobs ahead of montgomery and i think that uh also jacobs has probably more help a lot more help so uh his offensive line's way better his quarterback's not mitch trubisky his quarterback is not mitch trubisky so yeah it should be a really nice spot for josh jacobs uh I might do a tournament lineup on DraftKings with Jalen Richard, though, just because uh, I can I can imagine 
the, the Raiders covering this actually, if, if my uh, Finley hate is true. And I mean, uh, Richard, I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but uh, you know, he's a great source of just picking up a few uh, cheap catches and getting some production that way. So the playing time fluctuated all year and it's really frustrating because he's still being super efficient. Like he always has as a pass catcher. And even with Renfro, Tyrell Waller, there stepping up, I really feel like they could have used him more, but uh, maybe this game, maybe not. But if not now, then probably never. Yeah, the Bengals can can really uh, make you answer that question. Uh, let's move on over to the Patriots going up against the Eagles. Patriots three and a half point road favorites. This is I think suck. the Patriots just absolutely drag them. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, so I'm, I can imagine this being really ugly for both teams, just because uh, the the weather looks like it might not be super cooperative. There it might be a little cold, a little windy, and. I just am not convinced that Brady can throw much downfield. And if he can't, if there isn't a credible downfield threat, maybe the Eagles can be a respectable pass defense if they only have to cover 15 yards of the field. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe that's giving them too much credit. But uh, I think you can both still really like a guy like Mohamed Sanu as kind of especially a cash game kind of play because he's really cheap, I feel like, especially on FanDuel. I don't remember what he was on DraftKings, but the PPR there, uh, I mean, he caught 14 passes or whatever it was in that other game. So Sanu's going to get targets. I just don't know if he's going to uh, make enough big plays um, for it to to really matter on the scoreboard. Like, I think he'll be good in PPR especially, but he might have like an eight catch 72 yard kind of game. And Mm. I can imagine this one ending something like 21, 17. uh, And I kind of honestly kind of like the eagles a little bit for the upset just because i can't i can imagine this getting reduced to a running game duel and if it does i definitely prefer the eagles side both because i like the running backs better and because it's a lot easier to run on the patriots than it is the eagles generally speaking yeah definitely the 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 patriots if there is one knock against their defense is definitely against the run um i, I think if you're the eagles you want to limit the amount of uh deep passes that that uh wentz is going to be throwing in that one their offense is so bad as a passing so that's that's the way i guess it could go wrong because yeah they're, they're down probably all sean jeffrey who wasn't playing that great anyway probably wouldn't have done anything anyway in this game but they're going to have to go with a two tight end base which on the one hand it it speaks to how bad the situation is at receiver but on the other it might make them better it might be their best option so the ravens basically used against the patriots yeah and i mean goddard Ertz. it's a lot better to throw to them uh, than it is Nelson Aguilar or Mac Collins. Collins or Jordan Matthews. It's it's just a joke how bad those receivers what are. Is, what does Jordan Matthews have on the Eagles front office? Uh, honestly, I don't even really know why he f- just burned out the way he did. It was just he he was never you know a star or whatever. But I thought he looked okay with the Eagles. Then he kind of disappeared. Uh, I still think JJ Arcega Whiteside is going to be really good, but yet yeah, apparently the, the media tone around the Eagles leads you to think Matthews will actually play this week. Okay, wow. So that that's going to be an accelerated run for him. Brutal um, spot for Wentz, though. Just awful. Yeah, yeah really bad. So I, I think I just still side with the Patriots on this one, and, and especially coming off the bye. I know they are on the road, and I know the weather could uh, limit – uh, some of the downfield passing, like you said, but I also feel like in general the Patriots function best on those short to intermediate throws, and they can still make the the Eagles pay enough that way. And I think the Eagles 
aren't going to be able to score that many points. I, I think that they could be at risk of scoring like you know anywhere between thirteen and twenty points. I just think that especially if Brady struggles to move the ball downfield, this game could really suit Jordan Howard, especially if the Eagles are going two tight end pretty much every play okay so that, that that's the one that's the way that uh the eagles could pull this one off but i tend to side, side with the patriots that's totally we'll agree reasonable. to di- we'll agree to disagree on this one uh let's move on over to the rams going up against the bears um re- whatever uh, this is yeah last year's game was you know kind of a coming out party for the bears uh they really just kind of dominated the rams on, on national television this game doesn't have nearly the intrigue the season hasn't gone nearly as well for either of those teams the rams i don't know what to say you about blew them it. at this point you yeah blew you it. blew it um tim heidecker face and then uh the bears yeah they had a pulse last week against a jeff driscoll led uh, Lions team I'm not sure that I'm buying it this time around going up against the Rams Ugh, I just I, I can't give the Rams six and a half that's point, too many point. points yeah that's too much um, let's get into the fantasy aspects of this one though what, what are you expecting there uh, so I I definitely think the Rams win it but that's just more toward that's speaking more toward just how low of the expectations I have for Trubisky and as much as I think David Montgomery is doing a good job the Rams' run defense has been better this year, and I think they can become very good in the event that they sell out against the run, which I, I assume that's the explanation for Montgomery's bad game last week. Is like you, Everybody can run on the Lions, but nobody has run on the Lions yet with Mitch Trubisky as their quarterback, have they? <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, but yeah, the, it's a similar thing here. It's the, the Rams to start with have a pretty good run defense and now they go into a setting where they can really just tee off against it um as long as you just put some safety help over the top for to make sure gabriel doesn't run past somebody and as long as you have uh, somebody on Allen robinson to just at least hopefully tackle him on, it, on the catches that trubisky does manage to get vaguely in his uh, vicinity then you can probably just over the long course of the game just choke out the bears because like, they're not going to just you know start putting touchdowns up on you they're just going to probably resort to field goals that they miss uh, and things like that so yeah I, on the other hand i agree six and a half is a lot and it, it could work like i guess they could just get defensive touchdowns good to see mitch if you if you want to do that and uh, the rams pass rush is pretty lively they've got some playmakers so they could but they I think they'll need a defensive touchdown to get six and a half because as much as todd Gurley should have scoring opportunities as much as the you know Cooper Cup will bounce back, uh, somebody will do something at receiver. It's just hard to see Goff. Uh, I, I think it was a was it Mike Taglier? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sorry. Uh, had that uh, tweet last week about how if you go back to the playoffs, I, th- I want to say last year, or maybe it was like Week 15 last year, something like that. Um, but from wherever that point in time was to then last week trubisky had actually like the same numbers as Goff. Ooh, yeah one of those guys had a major contract signed during that time yeah and uh then so that at least team, at least chicago isn't married to mitch trubisky forever nor did they trade two first round picks for a contract year corner uh yeah they just keep, they keep less need is really bad at his job there i don't know if there's more than five gms in the nfl who are anything better than a complete buffoon <laughs> like these guys are it's it's really ambitious the ways that they fail and just screw up really easy things uh it's like guys like jason licht in tampa the 
the guy with Arizona. It's just a real golden era of Steve morons. Kime. Yeah, yeah. It's just just stunning how how stupid some of these guys can be with with really easy questions. But anyway, uh, I think they still beat the Bears this week just because of Mitch being Mitch. Yep, Mitch being Mitch. Uh, so- seals it for me as well uh, let's get on to the monday night game here uh 52 is the over under in this chiefs chargers game uh, it'll be played in mexico city should be fun yeah i think it's gonna be i feel like i can take the liberty of just saying without looking that mahomes does well against the chargers i know tyree kill does and that makes sense because casey hayward is often the reason the main reason that the chargers pass defense does well whenever it does well but he can't match up with Tyree Kill even a little bit. Like even when it goes well for Casey Hayward, he's more of a he's closer to like a cover two kind of corner. Not that he is. He's he's a good man coverage corner. But he can't run downfield. He's like a four five five kind of guy. Tyree Kill will lose him with ease. Uh, they'll have to give uh, they have to give Hayward help if he's on Tyreek. Uh, Desmond King in the slot generally does a good job, but there's just so much speed on that field it'll be interesting to see if they start giving more snaps to me because he just that touchdown last week yeah it's gracious yeah that was that was pretty nice uh sammy Watkins. i i feel like i've they're just using him in the chris conley role which is kind of frustrating to me because he should be moving downfield more often and they keep throwing him these these short like eight yards kind of targets and uh i'm sure andy reed has his reason i'm sure it plays you know some significant role in in making the broader product the way it is but it's like i don't know if watkins isn't going to get going the way they've been using him he hasn't been dropping passes but it's just it hasn't been efficient with with his targets whereas with me at least uh i don't know if it's because they use him a different way he just keeps making plays with his snaps and it's like if you're not going to get more from watkins for his snaps you might want to seriously consider giving some more to hardman uh maybe taking away from from demarcus robinson too i don't know uh i still don't think you can use miko in season long because he's just he's he's making it work on like one target and 15 snaps a game so that's not sustainable um but if he's on hayward he can really dust him too like these corners can't run with miko or Watkins. so he's got got 21 catches this year seven have gone for more than 20 yards three of them have gone for more than 40 yards yeah and a lot of it's like after the catch too he he would have in that's not even counting the one that LaShawn McCoy screwed up with that holding penalty oh, back oh, in like week five or whatever I want yeah that's when I I begged for uh LaShawn McCoy to be cut on the spot <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so that was that was rough uh, I hope the Chiefs keep rolling with Damian Williams uh that's just mostly selfish reasons but i also think there's overwhelming Those are the best kind i think there's overwhelming evidence though that he's their best running back i think it's i think it's just silly to argue otherwise and i hope andy reed sticks with damien because i think he's he showed last week and the week before that that fumble aside he is running pretty well right now okay and then on the charger side of things here keenan allen is consistent as ever Still waiting on Mike Williams to get it going. Uh, I thought last it has week to happen this spot. week. I mean, yeah, he had like ten touchdowns on forty catches or whatever last year, and now he has zero on forty this year. Like, what he, the? he's the guy that's that yells out regression's favorite player. Yeah, so I think though that regression it's it's due to swing the other way eventually. Like he's going to at some point have four touchdowns on 20 catches or something like that and it's like the time is closer it, it, it's closer than it's ever been that was true last week and it didn't happen anyway but like it has to happen in the next couple weeks he did well just, against the chiefs last year too 
Okay, cool. It's always one to one, but but yeah, I think um, I don't know that that Chiefs defense has some some good players in the front seven, but Frank Clark is playing hurt. Don't know what he can be expected to do, but uh, Chris Jones, total monster, and that Chargers offensive line has had enough issues this year that I I do worry about Jones just kind of doing the trash compactor to those guys the way he's done to a lot of people i mean if max crosby and cleland Farrell are eating you alive then yeah chris jones uh, oh, i forgot about one. that yeah so that could uh go poorly for rivers and company there on monday night let's wrap things up for today's show andrew laird and scott jenstead will carry you on the friday episode of the roadwire fantasy sports podcast or roadwire fantasy football podcast brought to you by yahoo and yahoo daily fantasy sports This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.